Yeah, man. Coach Stacy, it's so good to see you again this morning. Yeah, man. Always is. You said you were at a concert last night. That was cool. Yes, sir. Went and uh, saw my girl Snail Mail out there in Morgantown, 123 Pleasant Street. Snail Mail. That's the name of the band. Yeah. That is so cool. I'm going to have to look this up on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube because everything's on YouTube these days. Yeah, lead singer LJ, uh, she just opened up for like a Grammy-nominated artist on like a really big tour. So I think she kind of wanted to do a little something smaller, kind of go back to headlining yeah, herself. So it was fun. I think one, two, three, pleasant. Is that that's like a place in Morgantown people play music and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like pretty. It's actually a historical building. It has like some historical reference to the like Underground Railroad. Hmm. Uh, they kind of have like that commemorated like all around the venue and stuff. It's I don't know exactly what the story is, but I don't know. I've like talked to a few people about it. It's pretty cool. That is cool. My wife got on a big Harriet Tubman kick a couple yeah. of years back. I got a and, big old portrait of it. And then Frederick Douglass as well. Um, and yeah, I think it was, it was more Frederick Douglass, but like there was a book that came out about him that's like 500 pages or something of that nature. And I think we have it at our house just looking at, because he's from, if I'm not mistaken, he's from the Eastern Shore of Maryland which is where my wife is, was raised. And just looking at that history of Underground Railroad, what that all looks like. And it's it's amazing to think that wasn't that long ago in our history. No. It really it's, was. It's really not. Like, we... I always try to explain that to my students, you know? Like, we look at 100 years as being so long ago. But well, if we take 100 years and explain, like... You're talking about your parents' grandparents. Right. You know what I mean? Like, then it's really not that far away. Like when you said, same thing, like, you know, students even look at the civil rights movement as being like so long ago, the 1960s, 1970s, like mm -hmm. that's your parents growing up. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's really not that long ago for the most part. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. And then that, that, uh, that, uh, that place, the one, two, three Pleasant Street is also a favorite of our good friend, Mr. Brandon Williams, who, uh, Assistant principal here at Buckhannon Upshur High School as well. He's a he's a rocker. He's playing in the Music Man here at school this week. He's a man of many tastes. It's good. Yeah, I got to follow up with uh, Brandon, and uh, I got to follow up with his advice and definitely give myself some ear protection for next time. Yeah, got to get some ear inserts. Last Saturday left me, I don't know, left me feeling pretty weird. What's an ear? And what do you mean an ear insert? What is that? Uh, just like a little foam. Both foam like, thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just ear, something to put in there. Like you're shooting guns and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go to NASCAR races as a kid, didn't wear anything. And you know, I think my ears are fine. But uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely should wear some, some ear protection. So, Coach, this morning we were texting last night. I didn't realize you were at a concert. Uh, oh, I was on the way. You're on the way to the concert. And you're, uh, I was like, hey, man, let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast about what it means to be a man. And I think that's a top, that's a popular topic on podcast, I would imagine, if you searched it. But I would just love kind of to go and talk about that with us and our take on what that means. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you take a look at that question, I think that's a very loaded question. You know, I think you can pull it back in a lot of different ways. Uh, you can define it in a lot of different ways for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, kind of when you asked me that question last night, I kind of thought a good place to start, which is like, 
you know who are people that like you have looked to like as role models or people in your life that you have looked to that like you would just you would call a man mm -hmm. you know like i was thinking about as it relates to my job or just like historical figures you know i'm thinking about people like both the roosevelt's the presidents you know uh theodore roosevelt as well as franklin roosevelt you know mm -hmm. i think those guys are like real big men mm -hmm. um you know, and I was kind of like saying about different figures like that and like, you know, what is it about people like that that I think makes them men? You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think about uh, actually before uh, we started the podcast, before you, you got to school, I was reading about Pope St. Gregory III, and that's something I, I read about every every weekday. Is I get emails about popes, and I think about you know popes or saints in my faith tradition. I think about football coaches a lot. That's my like chosen profession, right? Uh, people in history as well. <clears throat> well, I like to study men that have overcome something, right? Or there's been a great trial in their life. Uh, so I think a lot of times in our modern culture, we watch TV or YouTube or, you know, all those two things. You know, the sitcoms that are out there, the cartoons, men are buffoons, for lack of a better term. Homer Simpson, right? Drinking beer, big old beer belly, doesn't really take care of his family, or family guy, right? Peter Griffith. Peter Griffin, right. you know, that's that's kind of the caricature of cartoons. And you look at TV shows, or or a man is the opposite, like he's like real strong, he gets all the women he wants, he has all this money, but like where's the moral virtue? So, you know, I like to study men that have like the the moral virtue, like of men, you know, in the Bible, so to speak, right? Right. Now, we all have, all of men, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and so do the men in the Bible and in church history. And But yeah, trying to find men who had the integrity to, to overcome things that were issues that were struggles for them and that's that's who i like to study that was long-winded but that's the answer right. to your question <laughs> not for sure and you know finding those people that sort of show that balance in between the two like character types that you were like describing there yeah you know i definitely think that's more of like an idealistic type of man that we would want to mm -hmm. be uh for sure yeah, I look at, I, mean, I remember growing up and going to Sunday school, and God bless people who do Sunday school, by the way, because they're giving up their time on Sunday and trying to help kids. But, you know, you learn about these, you know, these men in the Bible, right? And you hear the good things, right? The Sunday school version. And then you get older and you read and you're like, oh, they had these other character flaws that we didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. And like me as a man now, looking back and going i know with like little kids you shouldn't talk about you know murder or uh, affairs or things of that nature right with little kids but i think helping men to see like what why do we fall to these types of things right why are we drawn to power right because i think look back on history you know what what's the phrase absolute power corrupts absolutely um but you look at, have you ever heard that? You're giving me a look. Yeah, like yeah, if you have like absolute power, like unchecked power, it like it almost automatically corrupts people. 
Okay. So it's not it's not like a check and balance type right, thing. Right. You were talking about the Roosevelts. I don't know much about the Roosevelts, so I would love to hear like your take on them. I just know like the what you see on like the five minute clip on TV type thing. Uh, you know, I mean they're both so different in their own. You know, Teddy Roosevelt's the in your face, you know, oh, very yeah. upfront, like yeah. never super unapologetic about anything mm-hmm. he has to say. You know, a lot of people describe him as probably being ADHD at the time, you know, probably oh, not okay. helping that like kids drinking and everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, but personally, like Franklin Roosevelt, you know, his story of polio, you know, mm. I mean, for most people like right there, that's enough to call it quits, you know, mm-hmm. to be diagnosed with polio, to be thrown into the hospital, like all these treatment facilities like he was to go through all the painful treatments like he was. And then to come out of that, like in your late 20s and decide like, all right, I want to like, I want to go be the president of the United States. Like, whew, not only that, but yeah. at the time yeah. coming out of the Great Depression, like, right. you know, time in America is like the absolute mm-hmm. toughest. You know, and I thought something you were kind of saying there was like really interesting and kind of like tied into why, like I was talking about these particular types of people. You know, a lot of times I think the word like, you know, being a man like becomes synonymous or synonymous. Synonymous. Yeah, synonymous. There it is. Uh, With like the word leader. Yeah. Like that's like the ideal, like that's what we're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I thought you really made a good point of like, we don't have it all together. No. And when if no. you look at like people like that, like even the greatest leaders, even the greatest conquerors of all time, like have had war councils. The greatest presidents of all time have had cabinets. Mm-hmm. You know, Franklin Roosevelt gets elected four different times to president. You know, a lot of that is just because like, hey, you know, he helped bring us out of the Great Depression. A lot of people, you know, don't want to give up the idea of that, you know, it can possibly get worse again, mm-hmm. you know. He leads us through World War II and all this other stuff, but you know, he doesn't get there without help. Right. And you know, I think that's a really cool part of like of being a man is being able to admit that you're you didn't get there on your own. You know that you don't stand on your own. Yeah, we need, we need help, uh, and that we're you know we're powerful, and that makes. I was talking to Emily about this last night. The reason we go to zoos, or I go to a zoo at least, is to look at the like the tigers, the lions, the elephants, like the dangerous animals, the ones that if this screen wasn't here, this plexiglass or this bar wasn't here, if that thing wanted to, it could rip my face off. Right. <laughs> you know, like it could do something nasty to me. But that makes it beautiful. And I think men are very similar. Um, I think the last thing I would like to be described as at my eulogy is he was just a nice guy. Because I think that's in our society today, that's what far too many men are aiming to be. I just want to be a nice guy. Oh, he was a nice guy. Well, yes, it's good to be nice. Like, let's not say we shouldn't be jerks, right? Right. But as a man, we should be powerful for good things. Now, does that mean we could be powerful for bad things too? Uh, yeah, I mean, we look at 100%. Hitler. We look at like, I mean, this is a a Hitler, right? That's one of the, obviously the example of, man, look at power gone bad. Right, yeah, any power can go too far. But I think it's good for men to know they can be powerful and be good. Um, what's the word I'm looking for there? 
they can be good change makers, right? Um, we were talking about the Underground Railroad earlier. What is what does it take for evil to prosper? Good men to do nothing, and you know, for us to be to be powerful, for us to be grounded, to have a team around us. I think that's all. That's all about. That's that's what it means to be a man to some degree. Um, you know, when I see men struggling, they're by themselves. They have nobody around them to help them, and they're weak, right? Uh, binging on Netflix or you know doing whatever. I'm not saying it's bad to binge on Netflix, but right. you know that's like their whole life. Or man, he's just such a nice guy. Well, yeah, like I, I hope I'm nice, but I hope I'm way more than that. But a lot of times when people say that hey, he's just a nice guy, what they really mean is like, hey, you know, this guy really didn't go for much. You know, didn't like push, yes. didn't push yeah. the envelope. Like you know, never pushed the issue. Just just went with it, you know what I mean? Was afraid to sometimes stir up some feathers, was afraid to sometimes look at a problem in the face and, right. you know, make things uncomfortable for people for a minute, you know, until you actually get some real change going. Like, Right, right, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, I feel like a lot of times we be, anyone can become very guilty of just becoming content. You know what I mean? Thinking mm -hmm. that we have it all together, thinking that we've got it all figured out. But, you know, I think when we look at like some of the greatest leaders throughout history, you know, or even in just like my own personal lives, like, you know, those were people who were never content. You know, people right. who were always striving to improve themselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of as we said earlier, you know, you can define a man in so many different ways. You know, we can sit here and strip away all these different layers of, you know, what particularly makes a man, you know, his actions, his thoughts, his being or whatever. But it's that strive to improve yourself in all those different areas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To never be satisfied in your progress, to always want to be better. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the type of qualities I feel like I look for. Like, you know, when I look to, to the people that, you know, I want to look up to, the mm -hmm. people that I want to mirror in my actions. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be that type of person who never accepts just where I'm at. Right. You know, I always want to improve and make myself better. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, like that idea of, you know, being a lion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, hey, be dominant, like whether if that's in the workplace or coaching or what, or just being the best husband I can be. Right. You know what I mean? Like making every bit of that a competition, but not in a way that's destructive, but, you know, in a way that pushes me to be the best possible version of myself for not just me, mm -hmm. but the people around me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like it's a that's a fine line because we need rest. Obviously, we need to take time and reflect. And our society can be on that can go too far on that end as well. And I think I guess that's it's always been that way, where you work all the time. It's all it's about dominating other people. Um, and another part of being a man I was thinking about was service. So do we serve other people? So are we using our power, our position, our skills to serve other people, to help, to help, to help people what they need, right? To help our church or our company or friends. Uh, you know, Jesus is a great example of that. He served people all the time. Uh, because I think, you know, when I get to the end of my life, it's not going to be how much money I had. It's, you know, it's about the relationships, right? It's with people. That you had in your life because you, my grandfather used to tell people 
you don't see a, a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? You don't see them hauling their stuff <laughs> with them to their grave, right? Oh, well, um, let's steal that one, though. Like you that. know, like who, but who's at people's graveside? It's people, right? Right? It's the people that you have touched. And uh, I'll never forget my grandfather, my dad's dad, my pop. Uh, he passed of a, a heart attack after a state quarterfinal game. And uh, we had his funeral before the state semifinal game. And that place was packed. You couldn't find a seat in that church. And I think that day cemented my wanting to be a coach because I thought to myself, this is what impact looks like. You can see the influence. This is what that, yeah, people are getting up to talk and people are just bawling their eyes out. You don't have to leave a question as to like what type of impact that person had. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about how many lives they touched. Oh, yeah. There were men coming up to speak that I'd known. That was. 17 at the time, 16, no, 17 at the time. And seeing men that I've known my whole life come up and talk and just pour their heart out about what pop meant to them as a coach and a man. And it gives me chills right now. But like, that's, yeah, that's it. That's the sauce right there. And you know what? I'm curious if you ever feel the same. You know, sometimes I look at stuff like that and I'm much like you. You know, I see that. I'm like, man, you know, that's what I want my life to be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I almost feel as if like that's a guilty or like a selfish feeling, you know, and I should feel guilty for feeling that way. Like, you know, I want all that recognition, but in some ways it, from the outside, it looks like, hey, I want that recognition. But like, no, I, it's a passion. It's I want to make a difference. You know, that that's the amount of lives that like I want to touch. Mm-hmm. You know, when I sit back and get there at the end of my life, you know, I don't want to look back at it and feel all this discontent you know with you know did i do my purpose did i give my all to what i did you know i wanted to look back at my life and see that evidence and whether if that evidence is in the shape of like accolades awards this that or the other you know what i really hope is like you know i'm not going to take those awards with me you know i'm going to hope that that evidence is in like the lives that i touched and those messages continuing through other people mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure you feel the same way with your athletes. Like, you know, these messages I, we teach our athletes, you know, just based on being successful, you know, getting to the best possible versions of themselves. You know, I hope there's something that they can learn in my cross country practices, my track practices, you know, and I hope that they can take that and, you know, find a real application. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that you're the same way. I love it when. I'll get a text message from a number I don't know. And I'll say, because, you know, my phone's like almost not almost dead. It's an old iPhone. And it'll be a player from three, four, five years ago. Hey, coach. Just want to see how you were doing. Or I missed a call. And I'll text him back. Hey, you know, sorry, Mr. Call. I don't know who this number is. It's a player, former player. Hey, coach, this is such, such and such. Just wanted to check in with you. See how, see how you were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's a little thing, but that's a cool, that's a big thing that they, they remember you in such a light to where they want to check in to see how you're doing. And and then they want you to check in on them, right? They're checking in on you. So you'll ask, hey, how are you doing? What's going on with your life? And then they, you know, blah, here's all this stuff, usually good, like they're in college or doing whatever. And I think that's when you find out if you're a good coach. It's not during the season. 
it's what kind of impact did we leave after, right? After they leave your program, they still talk to you, right? Right. I always wonder about that with the, I was told somebody this, the first group of seniors, like my first year as a head coach anywhere I've been, I always wonder what do the seniors feel in that during that first year? Cause that's a big change for them, right? They had right. a different coach. All those relationships. Right. They talk to you, how they feel about you, because uh, you're bringing change. And sometimes you got to be very stern with, hey, this is how we're going to do things. Um, not saying that how people in the past did it was bad. It's just this is different. This is how we're going to do it. You know, but trust and yeah, you mm -hmm. know, trust that things are going to be different, but for the right reasons. Yeah. And then seeing does that first, how does that first group buy in? Right. And some do, some don't. I find that that's kind of the way that works. Um, but it's like being a principal, right? Or being a teacher, you come in and you're trying to change behavior with a class. You know, you're, when you step into a teach as a teacher into a, a new school year or you go to a new school, you're trying to do something different than what's been done before. And that takes some chutzpah, right? I mean, I've seen you teach, you do a great job, but you have some chutzpah in your class, right? I love that word chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> like to be able to say, hey, I can assert myself and get the result I need to get. And yeah, I see that. And you and you do that very, very well. Uh, yeah, I uh, appreciate that, of course. You know, I definitely think there's something there about sacrifice. Mm. You know, whether if it's, you know, talking about men or leaders in general, you know, they make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. you know, they make sacrifices of themselves for other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think back to like my high school cross country track coach, mm -hmm. like from the outside in, very intimidating, like fellow, <laughs> you know, growing up and at, in middle school track, watching him around the track and everything else. Like, you know, you kind of question, you know, do I want to do this in high school or not? Just old school guy drinking coffee 24 seven, never drinking water. Did he ever cramp else. up when it was hot? No. Oh my God. Dave Duncan was just a different time. He was just a different fellow. But, you know, he came from just this really rough background. You know, his dad was a World War II pilot shot down over Germany. You know, obviously, came prisoner of war two years. And this was all before he was born. So, mm. you know, dad has the long term psychological effects from that. You know, had a really rough childhood, finds his way into running, makes that his big like success. But, you know, he was so obsessed with running and what it had done for him personally, you know, how it had saved his life, that it was never a question for him to give that same gift to someone else. Mm -hmm. And when it came to like myself in high school, you know, I didn't run cross country till my junior or senior years because I played soccer as well. And I didn't finally, know that. Yeah. Okay. And then like my junior and senior year, you know, Coach Duncan and I had worked it out that he was willing to like, you know, let me run cross country and play soccer. But the mm. deal was that like, hey, we had to run before school. Mm. And it was never a question, would he do that for me? Wake mm. up at 530 in the morning, meet me at 6 a.m. at the bottom of my hill and us take off seven, eight miles in the morning or run over to the track and go bust out an interval workout. Like my parents never had to ask that of him. No one ever had to call and beg Coach Duncan to get up at 5.30 in the morning. Every single day that man was ready to go, waking up, prepared to sacrifice himself. And I'm like, you're talking someone 65 years old still running seven, eight miles with me. And like, you know. Oh, my God. And I mean, you know, first two miles would be conversational. And then, like, you know, 
like he'd get me to take off or whatever and, mm. but you know like that was sacrifice mm. and i like you look at people like that and no doubt do you have to question like is that a man like 100 percent. oh yeah yeah that's a man and that's someone that like i want to strive to be and someone that i hope i can mirror mm. in my own life my own actions mm. yeah yeah as i reflect on what you you just said i think about my two young boys, the men. <laughs> I told my wife yesterday that uh, they, they're the men of the house while I'm at work. They got to hold it down and they're three months old. <laughs> um, you know, what do I, how do I show them a man acts? How do I show them? Because that's a fine line, right? I mean, as men, we, we should work. Work's a good thing. How much is too much, right? And I also don't want to be a guy that just punches the clock. You know, I'm here for the minimal amount of time possible. What does my contract say? Mm-hmm. Uh, I no. I think you have to get the job done. What, what that, whenever that looks like, is what that looks like. That ain't gonna leave you feeling fulfilled. No, yeah, and you know, I, I don't want to be the guy that you know, last one in, first one out. That's just not. That's not good leadership. That's not the way progress is is made. Uh, but how do I, because somebody was saying, tell me yesterday about a coach who said he, his one regret is, regret was that he wished he spent more time with his kid. And that's something I think we all have to balance as men, you know, as we have children or if we have children, right? How do you balance that? Or how do you balance, if you don't have kids, like time with your wife or time doing a hobby? Like there's such a fine line there and it's, it's, it's just so it's so difficult to find that sometimes. Yeah, and I think really what you're highlighting here is, you know, your accomplishments and your hard work isn't the only thing that defines you as a man. You know, kind of as you said, with like, you know, at the end of your funeral, you know, looking at the evidence of the people that are there in attendance, the people who are there. But, you know, as you're saying here, like finding that balance between work and your home life, you know. A man also needs those relationships, mm-hmm. you know. Those relationships are just as defining as to, you know, your abilities as a man and how you can stand as a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, as a, like a men, you know, having a strong wife behind us is like, you know, a f- awesome thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you and I are both very blessed to have that, of course. I think mm-hmm. we've both kind of discovered that mm-hmm. recently. and. Mm-hmm. You know, to sit there and be ignorant and say, like, hey, you know, I stand all on my own would be just like such a disgrace to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to the role of how big of a role that my wife and all these other people, you know, play in holding me up and assisting me and being that leader. You know, there's so many people who help make me into that leader that I can be for my athletes, for my students. And, you know, to stand up there with the arrogance of like, hey, I got here all on my own. It's all my hard work that got here. You know, yeah, that idea is just wild. Yeah, you know, to have that humility, mm-hmm. I think that's a good characteristic. Yeah, yeah, it's it trying to to do this life thing called life without other people is a bad idea, right? And you know, being Catholic, I also want people that will pray for me after after I die, because I want my stay in purgatory to be short as possible, <laughs> you know? So like finding that relationship with people that, 
uh, we'll be with you, we'll pray with you, we'll live life with yourself, with you, with me, right? Um, and that's something, again, as a as a man, where we have this part in us that I want to do it on my on my own, right? I want to be out in the out in the wilderness exploring like Lewis and Clark's type stuff. But we do need community, right? We need people around us to help us. And as a man, sometimes it's hard to ask for that help. It's hard to, that's why we don't ask for directions, right? I'll find it. Well, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Well, sometimes, yeah, but sometimes no. <laughs> sometimes we we need people to guide us and to speak life into us and, and all those things. For sure. And I'd say that's a huge part of, you know, like my transition of when I started taking that trick, you know, that step in from... Man, I don't remember where I heard this somewhere between last night when I was on my way home to thinking about this whole conversation. Uh, someone was saying, someone or something have said, you know, you have boys, you have teenagers, and you have men. You know, I think kind of when I was going from that transition from like teenager to, you know, young man was, a young man was like, you know, as a teenager, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. You know, I really pushed away people like my parents or my own father because, you know, I thought, you know, I got all this on my own. But really when I started to get things figured out is when I realized I didn't have figured like things figured out. You know, and when I started to make that transition is when I was starting to call people like my dad for more help, more guidance. And you know, that was something I needed. Absolutely. Coach, thank you for this morning. Yeah. Absolutely. I, really, I appreciate our times together. I I I think you you are a you're a real a real man. You you got back at 12 in the morning and still came in and did this early. Fantastic. Well, it's like we said, integrity. You know, that's kind of uh, our conversation right now in my history classes as we finish up the last half of the 20th century. You know, we're on President uh, Ford right now here at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was his big deal was, you know, leading with integrity, standing mm -hmm. behind what you say, meaning what you say, and, you know, just leading by example. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it always. Thank you.